We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. mentioned in episode 462 that I'm doing a new training program called How to Be a Transformative Principal. It's for those who are in their first three years of being a principal or assistant principals or aspiring principals who want to level up their game right now. Join me at jethrojones.com slash how the number two B. How to be. We'll see you there. That's jethrojones.com slash how to be. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is an awesome interview that I'm looking forward to today. I have Miriam Campbell, who is an SLP a speech language pathologist. She has a master's in social work and a teacher. She developed an SEL RTI model that schools and therapists love. It's adaptable, supports teachers, and is the only generalization model that she has found effective. School leaders are revolutionizing the way they support SEL development with this tool. So Miriam, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you. It is really an honor to be here. Thanks for having me here. You are welcome. And just a little uh, podcast tip for those of you who do your own podcast and listen to mine also. I like to start recording as soon as we say something funny in the pre-conversation so that we both come in with smiles on our faces. And I think people can hear that. So that was a little trick. I might have caught Miriam off guard by starting recording right at that moment. But I think that it's worth it because we both come in happy, which I think is a great way to start the show. 
It's a good way to start class also. That's right. Yep. And my mom did recently tell me that I need a voice coach because my, my voice is so boring. So I appreciate <laughs> her feedback also. Thanks, mom. Um, yeah, we need moms for that. You know? <laughs> that's right. She's the only one who can tell me that and not have me be offended. So that's good. <laughs> um, so, Miriam, I'm excited to talk with you today because SEL is really important. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I've had a big stake in the ground on SEL for a long time. One of my favorite episodes is uh, the Formative Five with Tom Herr, where we talk about how we really should be teaching SEL skills first and foremost, and all that other academic stuff will come along if we get that SEL stuff right. So, Miriam, first talk to us about your SEL RTI model and how you developed it and where it came from. So I was start, I started out as a speech therapist and I was working in schools, ABA clinics, um, and really, you know, focusing on trying to give skills that were going to be skills that weren't just for the specific book that I was reading, but would be skills that would generalize that if I was teaching main idea or topic maintenance or whatever the skill was that I wanted it to be able to be something that would help the student with, um, you know, how they were understanding their reading essay or how they were uh, having conversation skill. I really, that was always my focus. I um, always wanted it to be generalizable. So I was teaching, uh, doing speech therapy in the schools and um, really loving it. And I would, after my, you know, half hour mandate, which is a little bit laughable, bring my student back to the classroom and try and like make eye contact with the teacher who with you know because i have these very advanced social skills i would notice they were not really available to me <laughs> and as they would like nod at me really fast as they tried to quickly get back to the 30 other kids in the classroom and um I, you know and i i discovered that there would be a little bit of disconnect because if i was teaching this skill but i wasn't really able to get it into the classroom then what was happening with all the hours of work that I was pouring into these students and all the strategy and the thinking and everything like that. And um, so that was a little bit frustrating. <laughs> so then I, you know, had to regather, you know, rethink, okay, so how am I going to do this? And I didn't really have a, an answer to it at that point, but I did also bump into another challenge, which is that I would be teaching a language construct or a cognitive construct. And I'd be having a really hard time getting through to the student because they weren't attending. Like I didn't even have baseline cognition of attention to be able to have joint attention and be able to share information with them. And, or they weren't emotionally regulated. They had a diagnosis of ADHD or they had sensory challenges. And I really felt like if I'm going to be giving them these important life skills, like I have to know how to reach them, how to help them with emotional regulation, how to help them with attention and uh, understanding where they were in their emotional world. And so I went back to school for social work. And uh, then when I was working in the schools and, you know, worked at different locations, at-risk schools and school, fabulous school for kids who had ASD. And, um, I, I, again, found that, okay, so great. So I'm doing this work one-on-one. How am I getting it into the rest of their day? And I, that was the whole point of what I was doing was like, I really care very much about making sure that the kids have this life skills and to be able to connect with other people and have all those things. And I, I was seeing that the generalization was not happening. So I happened to have made a move in my life at that time. And I had not my licensure had it transferred. So I was working in a, I was in a, 
actually in Arizona. And um, they, I decided, okay, I'm here. I have this time and I'm not, I don't have my licensure. There was a private school, local private school that was looking for a teacher to cover a uh, teacher's sick leave. And so I tried teaching and then I discovered very quickly that teachers are our heroes. <laughs> oh, and, now I get why the generalization wasn't happening. There's yeah. a million things going on in the classroom. Exactly. And I realized like in order to teach emotional regulation, you have to be regulated. And it's very challenging to be regulated when you have a hundred behaviors in your classroom. And when you have to keep in mind, okay, so what are my core courses? And can I let the therapist take them at this time? Or when do I have to make sure that this child has this other, you know, the IP says they have, there's so many things on a teacher's plate. And to add anything was almost laughable. And I'd gone into the classroom with the express desire to teach all the constructs that I was doing in my therapy sessions. Like that was my motive. And I was still realizing this is impossible without having some type of like framework or structure to be able to teach these, teach what I'm already teaching. It's just becomes a burden. It becomes another thing to do. It becomes like another responsibility and something else that I feel like I can't do on top of all the behaviors that I'm dealing with in the classroom. So that's where uh, skills for connection came. I really looked into my therapy sessions. I looked at the heart of what it was at what that I was doing with my perspective taking, with my topic maintenance, with my uh, emotional regulation things, with my problem solving, all the different constructs that I was teaching and developed them into very organized structures that I now teach teachers how to do and in, integrate into their math lesson. So they don't have to add anything to their math lesson, but it becomes a way of organizing the information that serves to reinforce the skills that the therapists are doing in their one-to-one and also serves to provide the, you know, tier one support for students who, you know, can use extra support, but don't necessarily need it. And then what I found, and this was actually a surprise to me, was that it also ended up supporting our teachers who were very burnt out and very overwhelmed because now in order for them to teach emotional regulation, they actually had to learn the emotional regulation practices. And in order to teach flexible thinking and uh, you know compassion, empathy, they had to learn how to do that for themselves. And they saw the benefit of it because they were learning it to, for the sake of the students but in order to be able to use it and integrate it and to know how to use that during your you know, social studies lesson and to use it during lunch duty, you have to really understand the construct, really understand the core of it. So instead of it being like a spit back curriculum, like, okay, let me read this thing or show this video, um, anything like that, it became something that the, the teachers had to become the owners of so they could integrate into every single situation that came up, which meant that the behaviors that they were dealing with stopped being problems and started being learning opportunities, which was a complete paradigm shift. And I wasn't even expecting that to happen. That was like something that happened as I was doing trainings. And as I was hearing the feedback, that was like, that to me was like worth it all. (laughs) Like that, that benefit of supporting our teachers, that's, they need support (laughs) being able to do that. And I want to break that down just a little bit because changing your mindset from this is a problem to this is a learning opportunity you would think would be second nature to teachers. And yet when it comes to behavior, it's not behavior is and social emotional skills by extension because behavior is communication, right? And it's where kids are saying, I'm not happy with what's going on here, or I'm not happy with something else. And I need to let you know that this is not working. It's 
when behavior is communication, then we see it as a, it's like an affront to us as teachers and that kids are doing it intentionally to, to tell us they don't like us or whatever, or something like that. And we take it much more personally than we should when really it is just them expressing something. It's them expressing that they can't understand what's going on or that they don't get it or so many other things that it could be besides that. And we Mm -hmm. take it so personally in education. Why do you think teachers take it so personally when students misbehave? So I I think interestingly enough, it's actually what you started with, with saying how when we view our roles as, you know, curriculum, academic instructors, then anytime we have a behavior, it's getting in the way of our goal. If that Mm -hmm. is our sole goal, and our goal is, okay, let me make sure that they can know how to conjugate all their verbs and that they can know, uh, you know, how to, you know, synthesize this information in a, you know, concise paragraph. Then every behavior is, does become a challenge and it becomes an affront because then you can't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. But having that shift of our goal is real connection, real life connection, connection to our, our learning, our growth, our development, our relationships, our, you know, our communities, our country, our, et cetera, the world, you know, all the different things that we really are interact with as human beings and it becomes about, okay, how, how can I, how can I help the student develop them into connectors? Then it, it changes it. Then it, it doesn't have to become like, oh, you're attacking my goal because that's part of your goal. Yeah, I really like that because what that highlights is that the behaviors don't have to be something that derails us. They can be something that reinforce the purpose of our job, which is to educate kids. And if all we are educating them on is language arts, math, and science, and social studies, then we're really missing the opportunity that we have to really help them become the kind of adults that we want them to be. And we really need to educate more than just these subjects. And I've said this a a lot on the podcast, but I think it bears repeating here because in, in Russia, where I lived for two years when I was younger, um, there's a way of saying that you, you educate a child first and foremost. So uh, somebody there cannot say, I teach fourth grade or I teach math. It just doesn't make sense in the language. So the language has something in place to prevent you from saying that you teach a subject. You always say, I teach kids to that subject the same way that you would say, I take kids to the store. And so it's a really powerful way of understanding what our purpose is. Our purpose is not to teach a subject. Our purpose is to teach other human beings. And when we start approaching the problem in that way, then it makes it much easier to actually do that. And the behaviors don't seem like a problem they seem like, oh, good, I have another learning opportunity right in front of me. What am I going to do? This is so exciting and totally takes a different approach to that whole situation. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer. 
a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval. One book that says, Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. So can you talk a little bit about how your RTI for SEL works and what it is that you're doing. And you don't have to go into detail about every single little thing, but give us a broad idea of what tier one for SEL looks like. So I usually start with something very, very basic, which is like self-awareness. Now, the in, in my mind, the most basic thing that we can give a, a child, and when I say basic, it's like the most profound thing we can give them, is the recognition of who they are, what they're interacting with, and then what they choose to do from there, who they become from that situation. So one of the, like, for example, one of the constructs I teach is I see, I think I feel, I choose. So I didn't invent, you know, seeing or thinking or feeling or choosing, but using this construct allows you to process information. So you can use this when you're processing your math worksheet. I see 10 problems. I think I'm never going to finish this. I feel despair. I choose to crumple my paper up and throw it on the floor. I see you have your paper crumpled up on the floor. I think you hate math. I feel frustrated. I choose to yell at you for crumpling up your paper. Or I see your paper's crumpled up. I think something's bothering him. I feel compassion. I choose to ask you what happened. I see, you see how, and this process of allowing our teachers and our students to start recognizing the difference, first of all, between concrete information, the the thought they choose to develop from that, the feeling that they, that is connected like a CBT prerequisite and empathy prerequisite. And then the choice in my mind, that's the most powerful part where situations and feelings and thoughts don't necessarily have to dictate my choice that I that I have after that, that I had responsible for my choice. There's no diagnosis or situation or background or upbringing that is going to be the deciding factor of my choice. And it, it gives children and and really our teachers the responsibility back to take you know to take control over their choices. And it also gives permission, like we were talking about, for it to not be a problem, but for it to be a learning process. And I keep on hearing from teachers again and again. And I I just did this training in the school and the principal came up to me afterwards and she's like, thank you so much. What I, what I found was that my, you told my teachers, you sort of gave them permission through this process. You see the student um, is crying. You think the the class is going to erupt in mayhem. You feel panicky. You chose to yell Right. So now you can say, okay, now I, I chose, uh, I see that I'm yelling. I think I'm a terrible teacher. I feel embarrassed. I choose to take a deep breath. And it sort of helps people in that process of like, okay, we're all growing. We're all developing. None of these things are problems. They all are learning opportunities. And it allows our educators, starts with our educators to, you know, because they can't teach something that they're not doing 
to be able to integrate these constructs, integrate these concepts that are really going to support flexible thinking and responsibility and emotional regulation and self-aware, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you see how like such simple constructs that you could put in your math lesson or, you know, that that's actually an emotional expression of this math lesson, but it could even be more concrete. But you see how that can clearly educate in very core emotional connective ways things that our kids need things that our teachers need and things that our therapists need and things that our principals need because it comes from leadership. Everything comes from leadership and, and and just living in that way and being able to think in that way. And I, I train people all the time and I'll catch myself having to, you know, restructure. Okay. So, um, you know, I see the yogurt spilled all over the couch. I think my couch is never going to be clean again. I feel frustrated. I choose to take a deep breath. Now I, I have choice. I'm, I, you know, I'm not a victim to a situation or I'm not a victim to anything because I have a choice to decide how I respond to the situation. You know, I was teaching a class once, <laughs> I'm teaching and suddenly that one of the kids runs to the back of the classroom, shuts the light off. Mm-hmm. Now, if I could just explain to you how challenging this class was in general, without the light turned off, you would, probably cry with me right now but (laughs) but you know thankfully you know I had been really practicing these tools okay so the light I see the light off I think the classroom is about to uh, erupt in you know chaos I feel panicky I choose to leave the classroom no just kidding I choose to take a deep breath okay now what am I going to do I see the light off I think I'm going to make the best of the situation I feel determined I choose to continue teaching with my hand over the light you know whatever it is like mm-hmm. we're, we're teaching a way of of thinking a way of processing a way of living and when it comes from our leadership it's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift for our kids. And it, it no longer becomes like an abstract concept. Our students immediately see what it looks like in real life and our teachers see how it benefits them. And it's not more work. It's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, that's very good. Um, I, I like this approach. I think that it's definitely something that needs to, to happen. Um, my wife recently started uh, doing some life coaching and there's a very similar model that they use to help people work through things. And TFAR. Uh, I don't know if that's what it's called. I She joined it, not me. So I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> but, but she has, one of the things that has definitely brought about is that I used to be able to tease her about some things and just get her fired up. And I can't anymore because she's using this model to make it so that she doesn't get, she doesn't lose control of herself. And it's really fascinating because she's a, a very mature grown woman who is a wonderful mom and a wonderful wife. And yet this little thing that I used to just have fun with, I can't do anymore because she's, she's been able to outmaneuver me and it's lost all of its fun because I, I can't go to her on things. And I just think it's really interesting how uh, that's helped in so many other ways besides just that one example of how she talks to our kids, what she tells them um, she's thinking about things, how she's feeling about things. All of that is just so incredibly powerful. And it really goes back to what you said about it. It matters how the leader in the situation deals with it, because if you deal with it as the teacher in the classroom, you have control, so much more control over the classroom than if they if you don't do it this way. So one of the things I tell kids all the time is, are you going to let that person control you? Well, of course not. I don't want them to control me. Then why are you letting them make you so upset right now? 
well, I'm not. I'm choosing to be upset. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and it's uh-huh. like, anytime you give up your control to someone else, then that's exactly what happens is you let them control you. So the next thing is, uh, what is the, so that's tier one, everybody's getting it. What's the tier two and tier three strategies to keep with the RTI theme? So if I, you were using that same, I see, I think I feel I choose, you would have the opportunity to really explore with a student. So usually the kids that you're seeing in your tier two, tier three are kids who have IEPs and talking through that process will be a lot more challenging. So uh, it'll require more effort and more repetition and more specific examples. So I'm thinking of a student um, who I worked with. I'm going to fudge the details. Don't worry. If you hear me, I'm not talking about you who struggled with ADHD and the thought process was ADHD is, you know, I'm a victim to ADHD. My teacher needs to understand me. They need to understand me, which is a very unhealthy, unhelpful, non-growthful, non-locus of control way of interacting and wasn't actually empowering him to move forward. This was a message he was getting from his family and from media and everything that of like everyone needs to understand me. And uh, it wasn't helping him. It was not serving him while well. he wasn't having relationships and friendships and you know, I had him uh, with me as a social worker and um, being able to process with him. Okay. So what are you experiencing? What do you see? Okay. Like I see my heartbeat is going faster, or I see that uh, the fire truck is going outside of the classroom, or I see the hundreds of data pieces of data that he was getting at that moment. And I think this is impossible. So you're thinking this is impossible and you feel hopeless or helpless and you choose to continue with the behavior that you're doing, kicking the desk or not paying attention or, you know, telling the teacher, I can't do this anymore or whatever the choice that that student was making, walking through with them their own process. So that's, let's say, from a social work perspective. From, let's say, a speech-language pathology perspective, what is it that you're seeing that's teaching them? So a student who doesn't know how to communicate that, doesn't have the language skills, giving them that structure. Of, okay, so like, what is, how, how do I communicate what, what's going on in my world? They come into the therapy center, they're just like, I hate it. You hate what? It. And like, they don't necessarily have the language, the description, you know, ex- uh, expressive language skills to be able to communicate what's going on and giving them that construct, giving them that structure and helping them then develop. Okay. So like, so you saw your sister was wearing your sweatshirt and you thought, how dare she? And you felt so betrayed or you felt so helpless and you chose to slap her. Okay. Just even breaking down the story. So now they can communicate what happened to them. Mom, I saw she's wearing my sweatshirt. And, and I was thinking, she's not allowed to wear my sweatshirt. She always takes my sweatshirt. And I was feeling so upset. And I chose, okay. And then recognizing only owning the decision that they made, I chose to slap her. So now that person has a skill, they can communicate, they can advocate for themselves and use those skills. So these type of constructs are things they can use like Throughout the day, like I said, with the math lesson, even looking at the math sheet and being like, okay, I see a lot of numbers. I'm thinking maybe there's a pattern here. I'm feeling curious. And then allowing another another student to see like, oh, you see all those numbers and you're thinking, I see they're all even and you're feeling excited and just allowing them to see that there's objective information is different than my thought. And my thought is connected to my feeling and allowing them to see the the distinction between that allows for flexible thinking. It allows for perspective taking. It allows for so many other core skills when our teachers are using it and our therapists are using it in their therapy sessions. 
that's what it would look like tier two, tier three, for example. Great. Thank you. So again, we're just scratching the surface here. Um, I definitely want to encourage people uh, to follow Miriam on Twitter at skills for connection or to check out her website, which is skillsforconnection.com to learn more about this and to figure out ways that you can apply it to yourself. She does also have a free demo there as well. So go to skillsforconnection.com and check that out and look at what's there, see how you can apply this in your school and then reach out to her if, if you think she can help. My final question for you, Miriam, is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? I think remembering for themselves that behaviors are learning opportunities and that includes behaviors of teachers. The teachers, what the teachers are coming to them with, the challenges and the burnout and the feelings, that is the teacher learning, uh, experiencing learning development and learning curves and being able to be a role model of how to pro- how the teacher can process that will provide that leadership for how the teacher can then bring that to the classroom. So that's what I would say could be uh, a role for the principals this week. Okay. Thank you very much, Miriam, for being part of Transformative Principal. As a reminder, you can get her information at skillsforconnection.com. Thanks so much for being here, Miriam. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is truly lovely. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.